The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. You've been hearing about it over the past uh, 24, 48 hours. You've been uh, hearing about this huge conference underway in Edmonton, hosting some of the world's brightest minds. It's called Singularity U Canada Summit, exploring how technology, AI, digital medicine, and more can change the future. Today, we're joined by two of the presenters, thrilled to have them in studio this afternoon, uh, Anne Connolly and Sean Conungo joining me in studio. Hey, both of you, first off. Hello, hello. What an honor. We've been, we know, I know this conference is happening, but we've been dying to get on this show. This yeah, is what okay. we've been waiting for. Yeah, okay, yeah, Sean. <laughs> Sean, simmer down over there. Um, and I'm telling you that because I've, I've, uh, I've spent time with uh, Sean before, but Sean is from Edmonton. And I just want to give a little bit of background before we get into it about what you both do. And then you can sit back and wonder what the hell you've been doing with your time. Because when you hear what these guys have been up to, it's something else. So Sean um, is a disruption strategist, and I will get him to explain explain that coming up. Um, he he takes a look at the concepts of all sorts of things and then turns them around and helps your business and you, um, you know, keep ahead of things in, in this world. He'll explain it much better. Now, Anne, Anne uh, makes Ottawa home and uh, we're thrilled to have you here. Thank well, you. Toronto, Ottawa. Okay. <laughs> um, you're really involved with Singularity University. Um, you teach global leaders how exponential technologies can solve problems that impact over a billion people. You have been working with the blockchain community for a very, very long time. You've worked with Doctors Without uh, Borders. Um, you've worked all over the place. I mean, it goes on and on and on with what um, you both bring to the table. So when we talk about exponential technology, uh, what is that? So, um, I can start. I think exponential technologies um, are uh, some of the things that you pay, perhaps the audience have heard before. Things like blockchain, things like artificial intelligence, quantum computing, nanotechnology. Um, I would consider voice as part of them. Mm -hmm. um, these are technologies that are accelerating at a unbelievable rate. Meaning, not only uh, is the capabilities increasing, but also the adoption is increasing as well. And you're seeing um, exponential technologies rise up across the world, across every industry, and this is why we're seeing all these industries getting disrupted because of the rise of these exponential t technologies and the convergence of them. Do you want to describe a little bit more well, of I was just curious to know how this became a passion of yours, Anne. Yeah, so I got my start in the humanitarian aid industry. So I worked with Doctors Without Borders in uh, Central African Republic and DR Congo. And uh, when I learned about Bitcoin in 2012, the very first thing, use case that I thought about was how I used to carry knapsacks full of cash through military checkpoints. And That's rather dangerous. It is rather <laughs> dangerous, you know, in retrospect. Um, but it's the only option that we had. I mean, you know, these these places don't have banks. Um, people operate in cash, so we pay our staff in cash, we buy our supplies in cash. And so when I learned about Bitcoin and having the ability to send money anywhere in the world within a minute with the click of a mouse, I just thought this is absolutely incredible. Can't we do that? just by e-transferring through a bank account? <laughs> I mean, what? Do, that's how I do it. Why do I need to get involved with 
blockchain and Bitcoin. So, you know, maybe from one Canadian to another, you can. Um, but when you're trying to send money worldwide, it's much more difficult. So if you look at trying to send money from Canada to the Philippines or Canada to Nigeria, you're typically going through Western Union, which charges 12%, mm -hmm. uh, which is very expensive. Sometimes it can take up to two weeks. With crypto, there's no one in the middle. There's no middleman. You send it directly peer-to-peer -peer from one person to another. It costs very little. You can send $1 or a million dollars for a fraction of a cent, and uh, it gets there right away. And I think it would be good for the audience to, because I think Anne describes blockchain. <laughs> like you could explain, best. Listen, you could explain blockchain to somebody like a thousand times, and they will still not get it. I think Anne does an amazing job Anne? at doing it. Can you explain blockchain? Sure. I think the, the biggest thing to think about blockchain is it's just a ledger. It's a record of transactions. So if you imagined every financial that tr transaction that happens in the world between banks and corporations and people and stores was recorded in one place, that's kind of like a blockchain. But what's really special about it is that a copy of this chain is stored on thousands of computers around the world. And these are computers like my laptop, some guy in China's desktop computer. And so the key thing is if um, someone puts a transaction on the blockchain, everyone in the world can verify that that transaction happened. So if I wanted to pretend that maybe someone didn't send me the money that they were supposed to, you can just go to the blockchain and look and you'll see the transaction there. And so it essentially is... Um, a single source of truth for every person on the planet in terms of seeing how value is transferred. So you're obviously a fan of it. There is a lot of folks out there, and we have certainly seen it over the past couple of years, the volatility of... Uh, Bitcoin, for example, we've seen the price, you know, one Bitcoin, what was up close around $20,000 mm -hmm. uh, Canadian. And I have to tell you this, about four years ago, when I first did my first blockchain or Bitcoin interview, somebody offered to give me like a quarter of one, the guy that I was interviewing, and I never took him up I on it. We, we wouldn't be, you'd be sitting <laughs> no. here right now. You'd be on a beach in Mexico. And I never took him up on it. But, you know, when you talk about the volatility, and that's going, I'm going to turn back to Sean here in a second, talk about the volatility of it. I think that's what concerns a lot of people um, about blockchain and we saw here in Canada not too long ago was it Quadriga Quadriga mm -hmm. and what happened mm -hmm. there so how do you how do you deal with that aspect of yeah, it? Yeah so I'll address the volatility first I mean I think the first thing to know is that people assume that fiat currencies like a government based currency um, are very stable and that's it's just not true the average fiat currency only lives 28 years and you know in Canada we're very lucky our currency is, is fairly stable but most currencies internationally are not. You can look at um, Brazil's currency has massive inflation right now, but if you look to Venezuela, their inflation rate is more than 2.6 million percent. Hmm. So if you'd invested a million dollars in the Venezuelan currency five years ago, you'd have less than 37 cents. <laughs> and so when you know Canadians look at volatility, Bitcoin, yeah, absolutely, it's volatile. But what you're not getting is volatility caused by bad government management of the financial system or politicians who are trying to finagle the currency to get reelected to make things look better. So uh, what you get is market volatility. Um, and so people who live in countries where they can't trust their government to manage the financial system really look towards cryptocurrency as a lifeline. Interesting. Um, when you talk about volatility, this is something that you deal with uh, as a disruption strategist. For those who are sitting at home right now wondering what the heck a disruption strategist is, maybe you can, uh, in a nutshell, explain it. Yeah, absolutely. So you have a background in accounting. 
Uh, yeah, yeah. I started my career in accounting. I worked for a company called Deloitte uh, for 12 years, started there, and then uh, moved into management consulting where we moved into strategy and mm-hmm. innovation. And, um, you know, the disruption, just to simplify it, is somebody coming into your space um, and fundamentally changing the status quo of your market, of your industry. And this is happening across every industry. And somebody who's a disruption strategist and, and is somebody who is helping an organization deal with uh, a potentially a looming disruption that's happening to their, their industry or coming up with a disruptive strategy for themselves. Basically, how do I take myself out of business before somebody else does? And when think, when people think about disruption, they often think about you know the, the, the typical things that people Take a think about are the you know the Ubers and the mm-hmm. taxis and the the Airbnbs and the hotels or even in media in your world whether it's the podcasts and the um, uh, you know at some point was satellite now it's podcasts and other forms of audio and uh, you know I think media is one of the most disruptive industries uh, on the planet as you know um, <laughs> and so so my job is to figure out okay how do we create new business models new customer experiences uh, um, based on some of these technologies that we're seeing and. You know, it's the 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 punchline is is that you can never stop innovating, right? And this is why I will always be in business because you're all everything is constantly getting disrupted. I'll give you an example of this. You know, GoPro, you know, uh, they disrupted uh, a, an entire market around you know cameras, active mm-hmm. cameras. Now they're getting disrupted by DJI and the drones and. And so they were the market disruptor, and now they're getting disrupted. And so the speed of disruption is so quick that um, it's almost impossible to keep up. And you talk about, uh, I think in one of your TED Talks or one of your presentations that I was watching today about the ability to change and about the most important thing that you think that we can teach our children these days is adaptability and that um, and being able to do that. This kind of this goes hand in hand, doesn't it? Absolutely. I mean, when you look at the pace of change of technology and and where the future is going, it's almost impossible for the human brain, which thinks on a very linear scale, to handle the exponential rate of change. And so, you know, this concept of the training for some job and then working that job at the same company for 50 years and then retiring is a dead notion. You know, you need to be able, even university is really a dead notion, this idea of going to school for something for four years and then having, you know, a job out of that. Really what we need to be teaching kids is to be able to see what's coming, to change, to adapt, to be able to meet whatever needs are there. I mean, when you look at even what I do, my job didn't exist 10 years ago. <laughs> Blockchain didn't exist, I mean, well, barely 10 years ago it did. Exactly. Um, and so you really need to be able to teach your kids how to handle change and how to see what where trends are going. I love that yeah, during your speech or your presentation that, uh, that uh, I was at uh, a couple of weeks ago, you talked about, you know, how these days often kids coming out of university or school don't, we they don't just have one job for the rest of their life. It could be four or five do- jobs by the time they're 30 yeah. or 40 years old. But you also told a story about, you know, looking, I think it's your mom and your daughter with technology, yeah. you know, communicating that way and watching them both adapt to it. Yeah, so... Um First of all, let me address the, yeah. the, the question around, you know, the, the jobs changing. You know, I'm East Indian, and in our background, if you're East Indian, you have to be a doctor, accountant, engineer, <laughs> or lawyer, or you marry a doctor. Yeah. That's what you were supposed to be. And all these jobs are actually getting threatened by all these exponential technologies, artificial intelligence. They're threatening the future viability of some of these jobs. Um, and so, you know, I think what we need to do is, is teach our students, our kids, uh, not really about jobs or sk- maybe not even skills, but actually um, how do you um, embrace this global ecosystem? How do you pull partners together and how do you pull technologies together? I think that's almost a more important 
important skill than anything else. And to the the point around uh, my daughter, so the, the the conversation was really around voice. Mm-hmm. I'm a really I'm really bullish on voice. I have a, a company in the voice space, um, and. and um, the reason why I think voice is so disruptive and the reason why I think voice is so impactful is if I look at my daughter, my first, my, my daughter's two and a half years old, she can barely put phrases together, but she's already telling Google to get stuff done for her, right? <laughs> and if I look at my mother, she's seven years old, she missed the internet revolution, she missed the mobile revolution, she could barely text, but she's also using voice a hundred times a day. So now you have two people in my life that have basically you know, they've missed every technology revolution and they're using voice a hundred times a day. Mm. And if you look at how people use voice today, whether it's turning on the lights or getting Alexa or, you know, getting a movie or, or turning on the, or turning on the TV, you know, that device will be the interface for people getting their financial data, for their health data, for all sorts of things. And we're just in the first innings of it. We're putting the, we're putting the cell phone, the apps that we see on it onto a voice device. That's just the first innings. It's just basically when, you know, people uh, started TV, they put like the radio people on TV. And when the, the internet started, they put the newspapers they copy pasted the newspapers onto the internet that's exactly what we have right now with voice we're putting apps on voice it's the first innings and it's at an exponent it's going at an exponential rate and Connolly and Sean Conango joining me in studio uh, both presenters at um, at the uh, singularity U Canada summit underway in our city right now when it lo- when you look at um, handling disruption right now who is doing it well who is who is handling disruption well Oh goodness, that's a tricky question. So, um, <laughs> so who is handling disruption very well? The punchline is is that um, every everyone is trying to grapple it uh, to understand all the trends. Um, no one can get a a ultimate handle on it because eventually, this always happens. It will come to bite you. Like so, something will take you down at some point. You know, even the 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 most prominent CEO, Jeff Bezos, the guy who's running the most dominant company on the planet, said to his staff in November that Amazon will fail one day, that we will go down. And so um, it, every organization gets disrupted. And I think the punchline is, is that it, we always have to try to keep on moving forward. But listen, there's, a, so there's some amazing local companies here in Edmonton that are doing some amazing things. I'd say ATB is doing an amazing job. If you see what they've done five years ago to what they're doing today, they're exper- experimenting with blockchain and artificial intelligence and chatbots. I mean, they're doing all these things to disrupt themselves. So maybe it's not about who's handling disruption, but who's adapting the best. Exactly. Really, the, the best disruptors are those who actually disrupt themselves. So when you look at, you know, there's a lot of these great companies and they're disrupting big industries, but, you know, when you look at, say, Apple, when, um, uh, what's his name, Steve Jobs was still around, they actually disrupted their own products by bringing out the iPhone. You know, they disrupted the iPod and many of their other products because they knew that someone was going to do it. It might as well be them. Anne and uh, and Sean joining me in studio this afternoon. Let's take a break here because then I want to come back. I want to ask, you know, we talk about this and it sounds like on a company level, but what can you do on a lower level? For the, for the folks who are listening at home wondering, how does this impact me and what can I do about it? That's what I want to ask you about next. Great. Oh my gosh, if you could have listened to that conversation in the four minutes right there, we covered all sorts of stuff, and I'm planning my next career apparently as well. <laughs> uh, Anne Connolly and Sean Kananga joining me in studio this afternoon, both very involved with um, with the Singularity U Canada uh, Summit that is underway in Edmonton. So for folks who are listening right now and going, how does this impact me? Maybe I don't work at a big business, maybe I have a little business of my own, uh, maybe I'm just at home doing whatever maybe i'm retired does it impact 
everybody right now? So I'll start. I'll say absolutely it does. I think um, the the exponential technologies that we talk about, the punchline is that they are accessible to everyone on the planet. And I think that um, we can empower everyone to use these tools and partners um, and it's accessible. Like my epiphany is that all the tools and technologies that you ever wanted are accessible. All the knowledge that you wanted is out there. All the p- people and partners that you wanted, you can get anybody to do anything like on freelancing sites like Upwork and 99designs mm-hmm. and all these things. Like you could, you know, one of the things I said at the summit was that you could be, there's countless people's, there's countless people building one person million dollar businesses. Mm-hmm. And one day we will have a one person because of all these technologies and automation and partnerships and the crowd and freelancers and social, one day you will have a one person billion dollar business. You know what, Sean, I came home from uh, the, the presentation that we were at together not too long ago and I was talking to my 28 year old who's kind of very much involved in the stuff that you do. And I said, Sean was talking about something called Fiverr. Yeah. Is it Fiverr? And he's like, yeah, I use Fiverr all the time for my websites. And I was go. like, what? Because he's got three different, you know, platforms doing, you know, from cars to whatever. And I'd never heard of it before. And I thought that was really, really fascinating. To me, you, you know what? Fiverr, so for those you don't know, fi- you know, Fiverr is a marketplace where anybody will do things for $5. <laughs> and, 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 you know, it goes up. It's it's more than, it can be more than $5. But it's this, it's this idea that you can get anybody in the world to do anything at a radically cheaper cost, whether it's a voiceover or this or that. Um, listen, it's great for people who are building businesses because maybe you're not an expert at building a website. Maybe you're not an expert in a voice all over, but you can access those people at your fingertips. In terms of the degradation to long-term career work, I mean, that's a broader societal mm-hmm. impact that we should be having a discussion about. But that's the whole thing with technology. There's always promise and there's always peril. You know, same with blockchain, AI, everything. And let's talk about that, Pearl, because I'm getting a number of texts coming in, Anne, and this one I'm going to ask you about. It says uh, straight out, says technology will be responsible for the downfall of modern civilization. Absolutely. They're completely right. But I also, I wouldn't necessarily say it's a downfall without an uprise as well. So we have the opportunity now, particularly with technologies like blockchain and AI, to completely reorganize the way we structure society. So when you think about how we've built our society, most of it's built on third parties like governments, corporations, people that help add trust in transactions. And when you start to get these other technological elements coming in, you don't need those anymore. And so all of a sudden you can have peer-to-peer transactions, you can build communities in ways that you've never been able to in the past. And so absolutely, is it going to destroy what we know of as our current day society? Yes, we are going to have fewer jobs. We're going to have, you know, lots of chaos, but it's going to give us this opportunity to have a blank slate to redefine humanity and but what society I partly like. disagree with that. <laughs> I, I, um... But isn't I, I, that just kind of part of the world, like just how it, things happen? Like yeah, the revolution of it is, yeah. is different than, well, yeah, it is. than it's ever been before. I'm a little bit more of an optimist because if we look at new technology revolutions happening all the time, what it's fundamentally done every single time is that it's created new markets, new industries, new businesses, new organizations. When the car came out, it literally created the the, the, the tourism industry, accommodations, and whatnot. You know, I think with the autonomous car, a lot of people are worried about you know them taking away a lot of businesses and jobs. It's going to create new markets, industries, like the car will be the destination itself for work and meditation and play. And and I just think that we we have to, we we don't know that. We we think that these things are going to take away all our jobs, but, but at the end of the day, it does create new industries, new problems are solved. And before I let you go, um, 
where do you where do you see Bitcoin ten years from now? <laughs> I think Bitcoin, I mean, am I like way like too late on getting on this train no, or what? It's not too late. It's not too late. Look, this is going to absolutely grow. Like ninety nine percent of the impact that Bitcoin and blockchain are going to have has not happened yet. And so when you think about all of the developing countries who are desperate for a store of value that can't be manipulated by government, we're just about to kick that off. You know, Africa's coming mm. on board. They're huge with mobile money. So I say to everyone, my, my biggest piece of advice, <laughs> go out and buy $1 worth of Bitcoin. Do it as a really interesting exercise in learning something new and exciting to become a part of this new economy. Um, it's really easy to do. I've got a blog about it if people are curious of need some more instruction. And uh, What's your website? Oh, anconnelly.ca uh, A-N-N-E-C-O-N-N-E-L-L-Y and uh, you can feel free to tweet at me and I'll, I'll send you the link. And what, what about Ether, though? Should we buy that? Are we allowed to give investment I advice not, on I the over-the-air? investment air? advice <laughs> anywhere. anywhere. Uh, Anconley.ca, I, I followed you on uh, Twitter already. Sean, follow you on Twitter, and people can go to your website as well. Absolutely. SeanKunanga.com. Yep. .com. There you go. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you.